the title of this morning's message is called Triple Play. Triple play is the title of this morning's message. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meeting together as is somewhere in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as we see the day drawing near. Now we started out this base series uh, about six weeks ago. And the first thing we did was talk about the vision. What is base? What are base groups? We begin to lay out the importance of being involved in a small group as a church. We talked about their core values. We talked about that base groups are an opportunity for you to get in the game, for you to play. Uh, we talked about the, the main reason for base groups is for spiritual growth. Also, when you're involved in base groups, there's safety because when you're on base, you are safe. And today, we're gonna talk about doing the triple play. And the triple play is where you get three outs off of one hit. And we're gonna start this morning because last five weeks we've been talking about being on the opposite side of home plate. We've talked about stepping up to the bat. We've talked about grabbing the bat, getting into the game, hitting a home run, watching out for wild pitches, curveball pitches, knuckleballs, and everything else that goes on in life. And all the craziness that can happen in what we call this life, there's a bunch of stuff. But in the game of baseball, there's an opposite side of the plate that you have to play on as well. And that's where you go and begin to get outs so you can get back up to hit the ball again. And we're gonna talk about how in the kingdom of God, we just as much as we love to hit home runs, we gotta be able to get outs from the enemy. We gotta be able to knock him out of the game as well. We're so used to the enemy trying to knock us out of the game. Well, the Bible talks about us being offensively minded, amen? So if we're offensively minded, it's more than us just hitting runs. It's about knocking him out of the game altogether. And so as we begin to this morning's message, the title of this morning's message is called Triple Play. And so we're going to talk about when you get up to bat and then every inning there is three outs that have to be gotten. The first time we get up, we can talk about a single out. A single out only takes one player to rise up and make a spectacular play. As great and spectacular plays as these are, it takes a lot more than one player making a spectacular play to win the game. Amen. So when we get up here on Sunday mornings and, and Mitch and the worship team do a phenomenal worship set, that's considered one out, man. We did good, we got an out. When I get up here and when I preach an amazing message, everybody said amen. amen. Okay, you got the opportunity to get another out. But here's the thing, those single outs do add up over time and we begin to knock the enemy out, but it's not good enough just for me to get an out and Mitch to get an out or Damon get an out and Rage or Jeff to get an out in base groups. It's going to take all of us working together, more than one person rising up to make a spectacular play as a team to get us back to where we can hit the ball again. And so I want to challenge you today as we go through this message to find out, are you getting outs for the kingdom of God? It takes a lot more than an individual making great plays, but it takes coming together collectively to win the game. And the Bible says this, and let us, us consider how to stir one another up. Let us consider how to stir one another up. And as we begin to stir one another up to what we're gonna talk about in just a little bit, to love and good works, we're gonna see the kingdom of God manifest. And now I wanna challenge you in this, make sure you're stirring up how the Bible says to stir up, amen? You're not stirring up chaos. You're not stirring up dissension. You're not stirring up craziness. You're stirring up people for love and good works to see the kingdom of God be manifested like we've never seen it before. And it says, let us consider this. And it takes players in the right position at the right time making plays to get an out. It is the time right now for us as the body of Christ to stir one another up and to do this one thing. Take personal responsibility for expanding the kingdom of God. Can I repeat that again? It's time for us as individuals to take personal responsibility for expanding the kingdom of God. I've talked a lot about this morning being in the right place at the right time, and you saw some of those amazing outfielders make some amazing catches. 
make some amazing plays. And Damon, they were in the right place at the right time. They may not have been perfect because some of them had to run and dive, but they were in the right place at the right time. And you know what? If I'm playing in right field and the ball gets hit to right field, it is my job to take personal responsibility to make sure I catch that ball and get it out. Ain't that right, code man? And so in your life right here at the church, it's time for us to take personal responsibility to stirring one another up to a place of love and good works for the kingdom of God. And if we don't take personal responsibility, not Joel T. Meyer as a pastor taking personal responsibility to preach a message, but five days a week, six days a week, after I leave here today, seven days a week, it's not enough to preach a good message if I'm not living a good message out there. I must take personal responsibility in my personal life, not just my career or my vocation, to expand the kingdom of God at all costs. And here's the, here's the job with the body of Christ today. Here's the toughest decision you're going to have to make. Will I take personal responsibility or I will, will I leave it to the elders and the church staff to expand the kingdom of God? I don't want to be a part that leaves it to a hired holy man to expand the kingdom. When the Bible says we are the body of Christ... And I can't do it without you, and you can't do it without me. So the Bible says right here, let us consider how. Paul didn't even give us the answer. He said, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Paul said, let us consider how we take personal responsibility for the gospel's sake. And for the gospel's sake and to expand the kingdom of God. And one of my friends, we were texting back and forth this week, and he sent me a great quote that I want to read. And the question is this, is Christ someone who is in your life to make your life easier Or is he in your life for you to make somebody else's life better? That's a great question. I wish I could take credit for it, but I can't. (laughs) Many times as a believer, we get born again and we think Christ is in our life to simply make our life easier, and that's not the case. Gamble, that's not the case. Christ is not in our life just to make our life easier. He is in our life to make someone else's life better. See, because when you get born again, you are no longer yourself. You die to yourself and you no longer live. But it's Christ that lives in you. Bless his holy name, the Bible says. So when I receive Christ, it's no longer I'm receiving him for selfish personal gain. I have him in my life to make your life better. Believer and non-believer. Church person and unchurched person. Lost person and saved person. It is our job to go expand the kingdom of God at a phenomenal rate and take personal responsibility and say, it is my time right here. The ball's been hitting my part of the field. I'm gonna rise up, take personal responsibility and make somebody else experience God's kingdom. Because when you get an out, the whole team gets to rejoice. Everybody who made a dive and catch out there and it was just one out. You saw what the pitcher does. He's like, Yeah, yeah, that's my boy, he bailed me out. (laughs) I'm ready for some people to start bailing out some people, amen? We're not perfect, life isn't perfect, circumstances aren't perfect, but with the body of Christ and each of us taking personal responsibility, even if I throw a bad pitch and they get a hit, man, I got people bailing me out because we are the body of Christ coming together to take personal responsibility for the advancement of the kingdom of God. So I'm gonna ask you this question one more time. Is Christ in your life simply to make your life easier? Or is he in your life to make someone else's life better? And when I read that question, I read it the first time, and I was like, ugh, I don't know if I like that question. <laughs> I read it a second time, and I was like, that's a, that's a good thought, I guess. And I read it a third time, and I began to repent. Because many times when I pray, when I act, when I do things, it's simply to make my life easier, my life better. But not this case anymore. It's to make someone else's life better. It's to bring them into the peace that we've experienced this week. It's to bring them into the joy that we've experienced this week. It's to bring them into the love of God that we've experienced this week. It's to make someone else's life better. 
But if we don't stand up and say, I will personally take responsibility for expanding the kingdom, the kingdom will not get expanded. Some of y'all are thinking, what takes place when I say I take personal responsibility? I don't know. But God's going to ask you to begin to do something. He's going to ask you to begin to seek him and find out where you're supposed to plug in. Because when you say it's my job and may take personal responsibility to catch the ball that's been hit in my area of the field, you're going to begin to put out effort. Now listen, listen to this. this is one of my favorite phrases. Effort requires zero talent. Effort requires zero talent. Some of you guys do not take personal responsibility for advancing the kingdom because you think you're not talented enough. We're not relying on your talent. We're relying on the Christ on the inside of you. I hope you're not relying on my preaching abilities to get you saved and to go to heaven. I hope you're relying on the Christ Jesus on the inside of me who has died, born again, and raised into newness of life. I hope you're depending on him. Because if you're depending on my talent, skills, and ability, ooh, Lord Jesus, you got a lot better prayer life than I thought you had. When are we gonna take personal responsibility for the advancement of the kingdom of God? Taking personal responsibility is realizing this, that Christ is more than just a ticket to heaven. Christ is more than just a simple ticket to get to heaven. In fact, your Christian walk is literally while you're here on this earth, not about you getting to heaven one day. It's about you expanding the kingdom here and your reward is heaven one day, right? That's why we don't sing songs like, oh, in the sweet by and by, because we're living in the right here and now, amen. And the kingdom has to be expanded right here and now so the sweet by and by becomes the sweet by and by. We don't sing songs about, oh, when we cross that great river Jordan and go into the, because we're alive right now, we need the presence of God right now, right here, not just when we get up in heaven. And when I'll take personal responsibility to worship like I need to worship and pray like I need to pray and read like I need to read and study like I need to study and get this, not just doing the legalities of it, but having an experience with God in all three realms of your Christian walk, I'll expand the kingdom of God. And it'll happen in a miraculous way. So to get a single out, it takes you taking personal responsibility for advancing the kingdom of God. But some of the greatest plays out there are double plays. They're double plays, and these are amazing. You saw some of the flips behind the back and the reaction time, and he launches it to first place. Unbelievable skill and re reaction time from some of these men out there. I, I watched that, and I'm just like, wow. The double play takes more than you. This is where it gets tough. It's where it gets tough. The double play takes more than one player. Now, I'm going to put a little caveat asterisk in here for all you baseball people who are baseball freaks out there. I know you can have the unassisted double play and the unassisted triple play. But it still took a pitcher to throw the ball for you to make the play. So you still didn't do it by yourself. Amen. <laughs> so quit going down that road on me. I've, I've, I know a little bit enough about baseball to know that much. But the typical double play is when it's hit to the shortstop, and the shortstop throws it to second and second to first. And I mean, the, the double play goes from second baseman to the shortstop to first, or the pitcher to the second base to the first baseman. And it takes more than one player to get a double play. It takes a lot more than one player to get a double play. And Paul goes on to say this. Now, how to stir one another up to love and good works. Love and good works. Everybody say love, love. and good works. One more time, love and good works. All right, last time, love and good works. Paul is saying here the ultimate double play is not just to get an out. 
It's not just to make a great catch. It's not just to have something happen. But the ultimate double play is when we stir one another up enough that Joel just doesn't take personal responsibility for advancing the kingdom. I'm doing enough in my life advancing the kingdom that it stirs Alan up to advance the kingdom. And together we get a double play because a double play is this. It's two outs off one hit. It's two outs off one hit. And how many of you know when the devil begins to swing the bat at the ball, you'd like to get two outs with one hit? (laughs) But many of our lives is just the opposite. The enemy's hitting home run after home run after home run after home run. But the Bible says something different. When we begin to make a double play, it's going to take more than just Joel, more than just Mitch, more than just Damon, more than just Jeff. It's going to take me working with you, working with you to turn a double play. And it's going to happen because... I didn't just take personal responsibility. You took personal responsibility. And so when I, as the shortstop, catch the ball, I don't have to wonder if you're going to be on second base to catch the ball, to throw it to the first baseman who's going to be on first base. When we've all taken personal responsibility, it's without uh, even a thought that we know you're automatically going to be there. And the greatest thing about those plays you just saw was this. The people didn't even have to look to where they were throwing. The one guy, he, was, he, he, he caught it and just kind of flipped it like that because he knew exactly who had taken personal responsibility to be at second base so they could catch it and then throw it to first base. And he didn't even have to pay attention. He could just throw it to first base, not even having to worry if his first baseman was going to be there. The double play, it's two outs off one hit. The thing about it is, it depends on more than just me. I used to love to run cross country and track, a keyword they're used to, love People ask me why I don't, why don't run anymore. It's because I ran too much then. But I loved it because I didn't have to depend on everybody else. Results were strictly on me. If I did good, it's because I trained hard and I did good. It wasn't about you and your training because I didn't need you. Running's a thing you do by yourself. I didn't need somebody to depend on. But then when I played the other greatest sport in the world, soccer, amen. <laughs> okay, we're getting there. It took a little bit of a different turn. I had a specific position to play. But when I had a specific position to play, I took responsibility for my part of the field that was there. And when I took responsibility for my part of the field, I did not have to worry about the goalkeeper not being in the goal or the striker not being up front because they took personal responsibility too. And I could depend on them being in the right place at the right time to make a goal, to score a shot, to get an assist, to do whatever you had to do at that point. Listen, we stir one another up to these two things, love and good works. Love and good works, let's focus on that just for a second. Cody, that's the ultimate double play. When believers begin to love, I mean truly love, truly passionately begin to love on one another and show love for one another and combine it with good works, God begins to do amazing things and double plays get made all over the field. Here's the thing though, they they got to be in combination with one another. The Bible says love without an, excuse me, love without an expression of it through good works is simply empty words. Love without an expression of it through good works is just empty words. People say this, well, you know it's the thought that counts. I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that for this reason. If, if I came home after my wife had a bad day and I knew she was having a bad day and said, you know, honey, I thought about buying you flowers. Everybody knows it ain't the thought that counts. <laughs> Everybody knows it. It ain't the thought that counts because love, if it is not expressed in actions, you cannot truly qualify it as love. Jesus loved us so much that he gave up his life so you can have eternal life. His love was expressed through an action on the cross. And God raised him from the dead and that was God's expression of love. So you can have new life. 
So love without corresponding actions is simply this. It's empty words. If I wake up every morning and tell my wife, honey, I love you, but then go to verbally abuse her the rest of the day, do you think she believes in the love that I told her I loved her? See, we've got a lot of Christians who we love to say we love you and we, we, we love to use that term, but we don't ever do the good works that go along with it. Here's what I mean. Oh, I hear you're having a bad day. I'm praying for you, but you never pray. Well, then, then do this. Just say I'm thinking about you. Then don't lie to them and tell them you're praying for them. I mean, tell them you're thinking about them then if you're not really gonna pray for them. But if you're just trying to sound good and religious and holy and you're saying, I love you by praying for you, but you never pray, your love isn't right. Love without corresponding actions is simply empty words. If Jesus said, I've came to die for you, but never died for you, his love without corresponding actions was just empty words. We as a believer, we are known in the world today for carrying around love that's empty words. I mean, seriously, the church, when we take personal responsibility to be in our position at the right place and at the right time to make the plays God's calling us to make, it's gonna put us putting love into action with corresponding good works. Now, good works without love, specifically, this is the love I'm talking about, the love of Christ, is simply humanitarian aid with no lasting effects. There's a lot of people who do not have the love of Christ but are doing a lot of good works, and it's simply called this, humanitarian aid and it has no lasting effects. It just puts a Band-Aid on the problem. What if we did this? What if we became superhuman, right, and had super humanitarian aid because we didn't just do good works, but we had a love that we showed along with it to bring people into the kingdom of God. See, love without corresponding action is just empty words. Good works without um, love to go with it is simply humanitarian aid, but when you combine it all and you have love spurring on the good works, it becomes this, it becomes the love of Christ. The love of Christ. I mean, if, if you're, you're serious about this, read the book of James. He talks about it being faith, faith without works. Well, faith works by love, okay? That's what the Bible says. So in this process, as Paul's saying, let us take personal responsibility and consider how we stir one another up to love and good works to watch God to do something amazing. And I wanna to read to you this verse of scripture out of the Message Bible. And it says, if I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but I do not love, I am nothing more than a creaking old rusty gate. If I, get, if I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to this mountain, jump, and it even jumps, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I do not have love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, without love being expressed through actions, I am bankrupt in this earth. Bankrupt. I've had absolutely nothing accomplished for the kingdom. I don't want to be a bankrupt body of Christ because heaven has no shortages, amen? I do not want us to see here bankrupt this morning because we love to say we love, but we don't love to do the good works. We love to say we love, but we don't follow through with corresponding action. Or we'll work our, our, our heinies off, but we really don't do it out of a motivation of love. We do it out of a motivation of selfishness that if I do this, I'll get in the good graces of him, and by that, I'll get promoted to here, and I'll get my fame. Love must be spurred on with good works. With the love of Christ as our driving force, which motivate us to good works, we can make double plays all day long. Now here's the most amazing thing about baseball. There's something out there called the triple play. The triple play, that's where you get three outs with one swing of the bat. Three outs, one swing of the bat. 
This is the most devastating blow to any team. This is the most devastating blow to the enemy. Because see, to have a triple play, to pull one of these off, it means the opposing team literally has this. It has somebody in a scoring position. How many of y'all have had the devil score some runs on you lately? I mean, you just, you feel like you're having collisions at the plate all day long and he's winning and getting runs. You know, in that situation, in that case, we need to start turning triple plays. Because for a runner to be in scoring position, it means there's a runner on first, a runner on second, and somebody up to bat for a triple play to be turned. And it means we're getting three outs with one swing of the bat. And how many of you know how great it is when you see the enemy about to get a victory or about to score a run, and a, somebody gets up to bat, but you, being spurred on by love and good works, don't just turn the double play, you get ready for the triple play, because Paul goes on to say, love and good works while encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So we do a triple blow. They hit the ball. You got a runner on first, a runner on second. Shortstop makes an amazing play. Throws it to third. Who throws it to second? Throws it to first, and they get three outs. Or it's a little pop fly to the infield. Catch it. There's an out. You throw it to second. You throw it to first. It takes more team members to turn a triple play than usually it does a double play. It takes a lot more team members being in the right spot at the right time, taking personal responsibility for the advancement of the kingdom of God to do it through love and good works while encouraging the body of Christ. Now, encouraging the body of Christ is more than this. Encouraging the body of Christ is not, hey, Amanda, you're doing so good and patting everybody on the back all day long. That's not what it's talking about, encouraging. Have you ever seen a triple play get turned in a baseball game? You see the whole morale of the team change instantly. I mean, instantly, it's like we're down, and they got a runner in scoring position. It's a full count, and the dude hits the ball. One person made an extraordinary play, which set off a chain of events to other people on the field, and they don't just get one out. They don't just get two outs. They get all three outs because they did love, good works, while encouraging one another all the more as the day approaches. Now, let me talk about this encouraging for a minute. Encouraging is this. It's not to pat people on the back and say, good job. Encouragement means this, to literally inspire courage. Now, now catch this. It means to inspire courage. I can pat Jeff on the back all day long, but if I, I cannot say I'm encouraging him, I can say I'm complimenting him. Because if I'm truly encouraging, it's inspiring somebody to step out of their comfort zone and make a play that they've never made before. There's a first for everything in your life. There's a first time you dove and caught a ball. There's a first time you've turned a double play. There'll be a first time you turn a triple play. And to make those happen, we must begin to inspire people to make plays that they've never made before. Inspire courage is what that means. I have a great, great phrase that I, that I read often. And it says this, I want to inspire people. Because long after I'm gone, I want people to say I was better because of him. Long after I'm gone, I want people to say, I am a better man because Joel lived. Not because they saw a great example, but because I inspired courage. That people just didn't get out of the dugout and get up to swing a bat, but they started turning single, double, and triple plays for the kingdom of God to expand the kingdom like never before. I want to inspire courage. I want to inspire people to do love and good works. And then when they see you stepping out, they'll be like, if so-and-so can step out, I can step out. If so-and-so can do it, I can do it. If so-and-so can make this step, I can make this step. If so-and-so can get up to swing the bat, I can get up to swing the bat. See the difference between a believer who turns double and triple plays and a believer who sits in the dugout and doesn't play is simply this. It's not their skills, talents, and ability. It's who's going to have the courage to step out. 
Who's going to have the courage to step out? Peter said, I have the courage. I have the courage. So Jesus said, come, come to me. Peter walked on the water. Yeah, but he sunk, but not for a while. <laughs> but not for a while. Listen, I want you to have courage in what you're doing. To inspire courage. And courage is more than just a bravery. It's a deep down faith of what you're doing and why you're doing what you're doing. This morning, I want to inspire you to a place of courage that you've never been to before. Because it's gonna take men who are courageous to expand the kingdom of God and take personal responsibility. The one of the most amazing thing about a triple play is it completely motivates your team but demoralizes the other team. Wouldn't it be great, because I know everybody this year has had something crazy happen in their life. I know our family's not the special one who's had all the bad stuff happen, amen. I mean, everybody's had something bad happen in their life this year. But isn't it amazing that when something negative happens and we encourage each other to love and good works and we begin to inspire courage in people, that it motivates us, but it demoralizes the enemy. There is a day coming, and I believe it has started, that the enemy will look at our church and say this, I'm not touching that church. Because every time I get up to swing the bat, I'm not just getting outs. I'm getting double plays and triple plays. And they keep demoralizing the gates of hell and advancing the kingdom of heaven. That's our job. There's coming a day when we walk in such authority as a believer that the enemy wants nothing to do with us. And this day is today. It's right here and it's right now. We're going to rise up to a new level as a church. Because we are going to get single outs. We're going to get people who do this. They're in the right place at the right time and have personally invested themselves to expanding the kingdom of God, taking personal responsibility. And by doing that, we're going to spur one another on to love and good works. And not just that, that's going to inspire people to be courageous and step out and say, I can do this Jesus thing and I can spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and I'm going to expand the kingdom of God because my life on this earth will not be considered a waste when I get over there. The one thing I desire for God to say, I could care less about the rewards, the accolades, that whatever when you get to heaven. Everybody's got their own theology on that. The only thing I want to hear is this. Well done. Because when you were down, and when he had runners in scoring position, you decided to be courageous and step up and turn a double play or triple play. And God says, well done. On the other hand, there's the other side of the story where he says, well, what have you done? Well done, or well, Joel, what have you done? 